Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. My name is Scott Nason, one of the hosts of one of the newest shows on the game entertainment and media platform. You can find all our shows at thegamesportshow.com as well, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. You can also find us on Spotify, PodTrail, Apple Podcasts, all over the place as well social media sites on Instagram and Facebook. And we are joined once again by co-host Daniel Scarpino. And Daniel, always good to have you join us here on the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. How you doing? And a belated happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, sir. Oh, well, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be here, Scott, speaking uh, the beautiful game with you. And uh, all is well on my end here. And thank you for the, uh, the nice... Greeting for the uh, Thanksgiving that just recently passed, but how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Have to wait about a month or so for our Thanksgiving, but certainly uh, lots to give thanks for, Daniel, and certainly we are giving thanks to the world of soccer because they never fail to provide us with a lot of material to talk about. We got a lot on the agenda, so let's get right to it with the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Going on as we speak, as a matter of fact, the matches have ended in Europe today along with Asia and other parts of the world, but let's start off focusing on CONCACAF as going into tonight's match, the United States is at home against Costa Rica. There will be three more matches tomorrow, including Canada. And right now in the standings, Daniel, after five matches, Mexico top of the group with 11 points, followed by the United States and Panama. They have eight points. All three of those teams, if the World Cup started today, at least the qualifying portion, would be in. Uh, Canada, they're in that fourth playoff spot in seven points. The U.S. lost their first match in the 18 group on Panama on Sunday, while Canada will be at home to Panama tomorrow. They played to a nil-nil draw in Jamaica. As a matter of fact, Canada's played to four draws in their five matches. Mm. They also do have a win. So we're still early days, Scarps, as far as uh, CONCACAF and qualifying, but you want to get these points early because you don't want to be chasing them going in to the last uh, stages of the matches. Uh, certainly the United States can remember that well. What, five years ago now when they couldn't get a result in Trinidad and Tobago. So still lots to play out, but just early thoughts as far as CONCACAF and what you've seen. Well, in terms of early thoughts, Scott, I have to uh, give credit where credit is due. And I heard something the other day on one of the networks as it pertained to CONCACAF. And they were speaking about Canada, and, and one of the, the hosts said, well, you know, they've gotten four draws, so it's not particularly positive. But then the other person said two things that really resonated with me, and that was, well, they haven't picked up a loss yet, so they're on par with Mexico in that respect, even though Mexico yep. is top the, top the group. And they also said a point in qualification, particularly when you're on the road, is just that. It's a point, and it's a point gained. And I think that really resonated with me. Um, so I think that Canada still, obviously, it'd be great if they could pick up some a few victories, still early doors, still early days. But Panama, they look a decent side. U.S., um, you know, a mixed bag of results, if you will, but they're still second, and Mexico look very strong. So I think um, in terms of going forward, the top four, as we see it right now, with maybe the addition of Costa Rica, that could really challenge. I think that's what it's going to be moving forward, and um, I've really enjoyed the game so far, I have to admit. Yeah, I think those five teams, Daniel, will be in the mix for the four spots. And and like you said, uh, the the perfect strategy is win at home and draw on the road. And we have seen several teams do that. 
And it's a little tougher, I think, with the, the new system because instead of playing two matches on the international break, now the CONCACAF clubs are playing three matches. And we saw the U.S. a couple, a few nights ago, they pretty much played their second team. They didn't have a lot of their major stars, and it showed. And, and the other thing is, you know, CONCACAF is tough. I mean, is it tougher than Europe and South America? No, but when you go down to the Hondurases and the El Salvadors and the Panamas, it, those are tough places to play. Field conditions aren't good. You don't have VAR because those stadiums and countries that I mentioned, uh, they don't have the capabilities for VAR. So it, it's really a slugfest, in my opinion, to get through CONCACAF. Well, I couldn't agree with you anymore, Scott. I think that you're spot on. And some of the games that you watch, you see the conditions in which they're playing in and, and the surfaces that they're playing on. And it's it's mind-boggling, really. And like you said, there's no access to VAR just because of where they're at. And, yeah, it's, it's a completely different game when you're playing on the road as opposed to when you're playing at home in Canada or, you know, in, in the United States, for example. But like I said, they've been good games. Overall, I, I think I've been impressed for me personally with Canada. I think the U.S., like I said, they look okay. But, um, yeah, Mexico is, is the strongest of the bunch, as we probably would have expected. And as the games go on, I do, I really do believe that um, the, the top teams will be the top teams and that the, their quality will improve. And to the point of having that extra game, I think the demands today are so high on players and there's so many arguments out there from managers that are being made that players are overworked, that they play too many games. And I think that there's probably an argument to be had that just that additional game, even in CONCACAF alone, is probably one too many. But at the end of the day, the schedule is what the schedule is and uh, we roll with it. But there's still been good games and uh, I've liked what I've seen so far. In South America, matches will resume on Thursday. Brazil way on top with 28 points. They've yet to lose Argentina second with 22. Ecuador and Uruguay with 16. As I mentioned, matches going on in Europe as we're recording this broadcast. Right now, the teams on top of their group, Serbia in A, Spain in B, Italy in C, France in D, Belgium in E, Denmark in F, Netherlands in G, Russia in H, England and I, Germany and J, all those teams would qualify if the World Cup started or the qualification process ended today. Really no surprises, I think, of any of those teams. Maybe Serbia a little bit, Daniel, but it's kind of the usual cast of characters on top of their groups at this early stage. Yeah, I think so, Scott. I'm with you 100%. I think, you know, uh, Spain is two points back right now in Group B. Um, obviously Portugal, I think that they will catch up uh, as well. But for the most part, like you said, and I, I think you said it perfectly, it's the usual cast of characters, Switzerland as well. I think they look strong. Uh, France has, has been brilliant so far. They haven't dropped uh, any, any games in terms of losing any games. Belgium, Denmark, um, Netherlands, as you said, as well. Russia and Croatia, I think they're neck and neck, which is fantastic. England are there. And then, of course, Germany. So, again, those usual cast of characters. But, uh, yeah, the qualification, for the most part, is going as we expected and as the way it should, really. World Cup qualification after this week will resume on November 11th through the 16th. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino on this game, a sports show, soccer edition. And one other international note before we get to the club teams, Daniel. The Nations League Cup Finals were played in Europe last week. Italy won the third-place match over Belgium 2-1, to one, while France, boy, did they have a nice tournament. They came back again after being behind Belgium in the semifinal, down 2-0. They topped Spain 2-1. to one. This whole new Nations League concept, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, it's not the Euros. It's not the World Cups, but it gives uh, players and countries 
a, a chance to compete for another trophy? Do you like the Nations League? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here, Scott, and I've had lots of disagreements with friends and uh, just people in general. I personally don't care much for it. Uh, Jurgen Klopp described it as the most useless competition that there is. Um, so for me, yes, it's added games. Yes, you get to see your country that you support play. So for, for me, Italy. Um, but I just think that, if again, if we take a look at the demands that are on, on players today, I really do believe that, yes, these are supreme athletes. I get that. But you take a look at how many muscle injuries that these players pick up, and it comes down to you're playing your top players all the time. And when you're playing that much football, when you're playing that much soccer, it's, it's a high demand. So I don't look at that competition particularly with as much prestige or integrity as I do a Euro Cup or a World Cup, um, you know, or, or, you know, Gold Cup or anything like that. But the competition is what it is. They, they really wanted to add it in, uh, did UEFA and FIFA and the whole bit. So uh, I, I take it as it is. They're games to be watched, but I'm not particularly a huge fan of the, the Nations League. Scott, what's your thoughts on it? I agree with you, Daniel. Uh, I like it a little bit more for the North American teams because they just don't have those long international competitions. Yeah, you have the Gold Cup, which is fine. So I can see it a little bit more over on this side of the world. I don't see it at all in Europe. Like you said, there's enough going on. It's it's kind of a complicated process to try to figure out, you know, these teams promote in the group and then some get in the Euros. It's still pretty confusing. And to me, they're playing for basically nothing. Yeah, it's another trophy. Yeah. yeah, it's a way for FIFA and UEFA and everybody else to make more money and more matches. But but I'm in full agreement with you. I just I, I just can't get excited. There's enough soccer to get excited about. I don't think you need to add this. And uh, certainly we'll see if it stays around for a while. Daniel, one competition Definitely. I am very excited for and have been excited about. The UEFA Champions League will resume next week with match day three starting on Tuesday. Let's go through the groups as they stand right now. Daniel will go through two groups at a time. In Group A, uh, PSG on top of the group along with Club Brugge as they both have four points. Manchester City with three points and Leipzig with zero. In Group B, uh, really not a lot of surprise here in my opinion. Liverpool Top of the group with six points, followed by Atletico Madrid. They have four. Porto with one. Uh, maybe AC Milan, a little surprise with no points. But uh, of those two groups, Daniel, I think Club Brugge really has been the one that's been uh, maybe the most surprising to me. What are your thoughts? Oh, my thoughts are exactly that. I think Club Brugge have shown a, it's a you know a pretty good account of themselves for the most part. Uh, some of the games, obviously, depending on when they're at in the day, I'm not able to watch that to catch the highlights and the, and the shortened version of matches, but I don't know. They look like they're playing to a philosophy and they look like they're playing quite good. Uh, obviously PSG top of that group. And I think that Man City will eventually start to kick it into overdrive. A couple of defensive issues there really having conceded five goals so far, but they will figure it out. And then in group B, like you said, for Liverpool to be top, we'd expect that. I have to say, I'm, I'm really disappointed with the start of Milan. I think they, they should have done better. I think there's, there's been some referee decisions where they would have maybe otherwise, you know, turned the other cheek, if you will. But at the end of the day, there, there are no wins, no draws, and two losses. So for me, that's kind of the disappointment out of those two first groups there, Scott. In Group C, Daniel, Ajax and Borussia Dortmund, both off to great starts. They have six points. They'll play each other the next couple matches. Uh, Besiktas and Sporting uh, have zero points. They will also play each other in the next two match days. And Group D, boy, this is my favorite group by <laughs> far, been turned upside down with a little team out of Moldova called Sheriff Tursapal. 
You didn't. You thought, okay, they won their first match. Great, they're going to Real Madrid. No chance. That was the match so far. The Champions League uh, right now, uh, Sheriff on top with six points. Uh, Real is in second. Real Madrid rather with three points, and Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk with one point each. Uh, a lot has been said about this team out of Moldova. Certainly, they play a fun style of football, Daniel. In my opinion, and they're sitting yes. top of the group in the Group D. Your thoughts on those two groups? Well, Group C, I would say, based on our predictions before uh, the Champions League even started, Ajax and Dortmund were always going to be top of, of that group, and Bastikas and, and Sporting were always going to be bottom, so no real surprise there. But like you said, in Group D, Sheriff, I think that they've been brilliant, like you said, and I fully agree with this point. The type of football that they play, it's free-flowing, it's attacking, it's it's relatively open that they, they recognize that, okay, we might get counterattacked, but if we can win the ball back, we're going to transition ourselves forward, and we don't mind throwing five, six players ahead in the attack, sometimes seven, committing numbers in the box. I think they've been fantastic. Um, and, and, and wouldn't it be something if Real Madrid dropped out and Inter Milan would, would get up there? And, and I do hope that that happens, to be honest. So they're riding a wave, Sheriff are, and, um, yeah, it's been fantastic to see them uh, – to not just be a one-off and that they're trying to, to see if they could succeed in this competition, Scott. And certainly they could. They have Inter Milan the next two matches, you know, maybe get a win at home and, and a draw, and who knows what's going to happen there. But still, lots of matches to be played in all the groups, including Group E, as really no surprise here, Bayern Munich at top of the table with six points, followed by Benfica with four, Dynamo Kiev with one, and Barcelona yet to register a point in Group E. Maybe a little surprising, but maybe not. And in Group F, a very competitive group. Uh, Atalanta on top of the group with four points. Young Boys and Man U with three points. And Villarreal with one. Uh, looking at those two groups, Daniel, uh, certainly uh, one very competitive. And you might as well uh, chalk up uh, uh, an advancement to the next round for Bayern Munich. They look as strong as anybody in the Champions League right now. Yeah, Bayern's a force to be reckoned with, and uh, they've made some adjustments even with the coaching change from when Hansi Flick departed. I think that Bayern looks strong as ever, eight goals for, none against. Um, Benfica, they look a, a strong outfit, and Dynamo Kiev, obviously, they are there. And you made a, a really good point that Barcelona have yet to register a point, but you know what else they've yet to register? A goal. A goal. They haven't, <laughs> yeah. they haven't scored a goal yet. And you know what, uh, you know, Scott, being a, a school teacher, particularly when we're working with young kids, one of the, the common phrases we use is you get what you get and you don't get upset. And Barcelona yep. right now are reaping what they've sowed. And they've spent ridiculous amounts of money. They've mismanaged so many players. They've mismanaged so many things. So they're getting what they deserve. And hopefully they're not too upset by it because I know certainly I'm not. So if them and Real Madrid drop out of the Champions League, you won't see me losing any sleep. I'll tell you that right now. And hopefully that that group continues to trend the way that it is. And maybe Benfica and Dynamo Kiev can, cert, uh, can battle over the second spot. In Group F, Scott, Atalanta again. I think they play a really attractive brand of football. Again, free-flowing, very attacking. Young boys are there. I think Man United will eventually figure things out, which that could be a whole segment in and of itself with the whole Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, uh, side yeah. that's going on there. But, um, yeah, that, that Group F I think is going to be intriguing, and the, the, the fight to get in those front two spots I think is going to be very tricky. Two more groups to go through, Daniel. Group G, uh, competitive and and. Who knows what's going to happen in this group? Probably the one I can't figure out. Red Bull Salzburg right now on top of the group with four points. Sevilla and Wolfsburg with two and Lille with one. And Group H, uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise, although I thought Juventus was going to give Chelsea a, a good match in match day two, and they did. They beat them. They're on top of the table with six points. 
Chelsea and Zenit St. Petersburg each have three. Malmo with nil. Chelsea will play Malmo in their next two matches. So you would assume they're going to win both of those. Uh, so uh, Group G, I don't know if you can figure that one out, Scarps, but I can. And Group H, really, Juventus and Chelsea, I think of any group, those two teams are probably the favorites as far as two teams to get out. Well, yeah, exactly that, Scott. And I think these groups are polar opposites. With Group G, I, I would not be able to tell you with any level of confidence who I believe is going to get in those front two spots and who would be third and who's not going to get anything. But at least with Group H, I think that we can confidently say, and I would say definitely say, that Juventus and uh, Chelsea will get through. Um, yeah, that, that Group G, I think it's going to be one of those where you just basically close your eyes, point to one of the teams, and that's the team that's going to win that group. And with Group H, like I said, Juventus and Chelsea are, are a couple steps above. They're in a, in a class of their own, if you will. So I think that they'll uh, get the front two spots there. Scott Mason and Daniel Scarpino with you on this edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. And Daniel, over the weekend or this upcoming weekend, the big five domestic leagues in Europe will begin. But before we get to the standings and just comments on some of the teams, there was some big news involving a Premier League club, Newcastle United. Now, before we get to what, what's going on with them, uh, when I started really following soccer when I lived in England, uh, Newcastle United, you know, they're a pretty traditional club in Europe and, and in England. And they got relegated for the first time in a long time. And I was still trying to understand the world of soccer and the relegation system. And I'll never forget watching on the BBC the last match day when they were relegated and fans openly weeping in the stands. I've never seen anything like it. And you see that when you have teams, especially teams that have been up there for a long time in the Premier League. So I've always kind of had a little affection to the Newcastle United squad. Uh, and right now they're struggling with only three points, 19th in the table. And uh, some news over the past few days that they have a new ownership group, which uh, many fans have welcomed, but some people haven't, as they have reached a large deal with a Saudi Arabian ownership group. Now, some football fans are concerned over the involvement of a crown of Prince Mohammed bin Salam because of the country's record on human rights. However, what a lot of people may not realize is they're probably using a lot of the products backed by this ownership group, including Disney, Uber, Facebook, Starbucks. Those are just some of the companies that have received hundreds of millions of dollars from this Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which now owns 80 percent of Newcastle United. And, uh, Daniel, we've seen over the years uh, new owners come in. Uh, certainly uh, my club, Chelsea, uh, Mr. Ibrahimovic. When he came in, uh, maybe not as much controversy as far as being a Russian oligarch, but certainly willing to spend money to improve the club. I wanted your thoughts as far as this new ownership at Newcastle. Certainly uh, lots to be, lots has been talked about, and uh, what are your thoughts? So my thoughts are take a look at Manchester City because they are and they have been in a similar boat in terms of the, the folks that took them over and the money that was invested into that club. The reality of it is, even though that Newcastle haven't done tremendously well over the years in the Premier League, they're still a big club. They still are a big club. And if you, I would actually encourage anybody on Netflix to watch Sunderland Till I Die, because Sunderland, and as, as I'm sure you'll know, Scott, is in the same sort of region as Newcastle. Soccer, football, as they would call it in England, is absolutely everything to these people. And when, when you take a look at Newcastle, it's a big club that has great values. The, the, Saudis that are, the Saudi Arabian uh, Consortium who have come in now and have taken over, they are going to spend a lot of money. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. Nobody could really stop them from doing that. The record on human rights stuff, well, 
I think that that can kind of be up for debate. But I do think that, uh, for me personally, I really don't have a problem with it. Their club has been bought. It's been taken over. They are going to restructure it. They're going to revamp it. They're probably going to get a new manager. They're going to get a whole new whack of players in. They're going to basically dig up the training facility. They're going to redo that, and they're going to spend money like you would not believe. So I think that this is a huge move. It's the biggest news right now in terms of um, domestic football around the world. And, uh, again, those owners could have picked any club, but uh, it's been a long time coming, I would say, for Newcastle fans. And they're, they're uh, a passionate club, and I'd say that they deserve this. And uh, I think that they're going to benefit hugely in the next three, five, eight, ten years. I agree with you, Daniel, and a great analogy with Manchester City, because when I was living in England uh, 20 years ago, Man City was a middle-of-the-table uh, club, and, and they get new ownership. And this happens. Uh, I did watch that uh, Netflix series on Sunderland. And uh, since we're talking about that, when I was talking to Dave McKegg there yesterday on our ESPN 1400 show, talking about the Amazon series All or Nothing featuring the Toronto Maple Leafs. If you're a soccer fan and you can go back and watch those, they've done one on Leeds United over the past Mm -hmm. few years, Tottenham Hotspur. I believe one is upcoming on Juventus, uh, possibly next month. I know Bayern Munich this season is having an all or nothing, and I believe Arsenal Manchester. as well. I know they Yes. Go ahead, Daniel. Oh, no, Manchester City have one as well, and yeah, like you said, Arsenal are getting their own, so. Yeah, it's, it's a great series, and if you're maybe new to soccer and want to just become engrossed in the whole whole thing, they do a great job with that, and so I don't have any problem with it either, and certainly I think the majority of Newcastle fans, they just want a winning club, and certainly they don't want to get relegated this season, which they're That's right. very much in danger of. Uh, looking at the Premier League, Daniel, uh, you know, match day or eight will start over the weekend. Uh, right now in the standings, Chelsea sits top of the table after seven matches with 16 points, followed by Liverpool with 15 and four teams with 14 points, including Man City, Man United, Everton, and Brighton. Bottom of the table sees Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich. A couple uh, interesting uh, matches this weekend. I'm certainly going to be watching this one. Chelsea will travel to Brentford in the Derby to take on uh, that Brentford squad. That just is, you want to talk about a, a fun club to watch. Uh, anyone, I think that'll be a very entertaining game. Another good match. Everton hosting West Ham United. Uh, certainly top of the table is very busy. Daniel, still a lot of matches to be played. Just early thoughts on the Premier League. Well, I think the early thoughts on the Premier League, Scott, it's been a brilliant start through these first seven games, and I've loved every second of it. Um, I think you said it perfectly a couple of weeks back when we were on together, and uh, this could be one of those seasons where it goes down to the final match day, and it might not just be two teams or three teams competing for the, the title. Maybe it's four or five. Um, I think it's it's been a riveting season. Obviously, the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, I think most teams would have would have pegged them to be in the top four at the beginning of the season. I know I certainly did. But Rafa Benitez, I think he's pulling up trees at Everton. He's been brilliant, and uh, they're yeah. playing some really good stuff. Their identity is very clear. They want to play on the counterattack. Brighton, I think uh, Graham Potter, I think he's put, done a fantastic job. He looks uh, a real outfit defensively. Brentford, as you said, they're riding a solid wave. They look fantastic. Uh, obviously, you can't count out teams like Tottenham, Arsenal. But Villa, they look pretty strong, even without Jack Grealish. West Ham, under David Moyes, they look great. Uh, And then at the bottom of the table, obviously, we've seen that there have still been uh, four teams that have yet to to register a win. So all in all, every week you come into the Premier League, Scott, and you just don't know what to expect. And uh, sometimes for good, sometimes for worse. But uh, at the end of the day, it's been a riveting start. 
Yeah, it really has. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, Chelsea top of the table makes me happy. But that match at Brentford, I'll tell you, we saw what mm-hmm. Liverpool happened there, that 3-3 draw of just absolute great action. And I love these teams that come up uh, from, you know, last season that promote. And, and, you know, a lot of teams, they'll get up and then fall back down. I think this Brentford team is for real. Are they going to win the Premier League? Probably not. But certainly uh, I think relegation isn't in their future with what they've put on the pitch so far. No, I'm with you on that front for sure. I think if we remember a couple seasons back when uh, when Sheffield United, they came, I believe it was 10th in the Premier League. Yep. They kind of had a, a similar, I don't want to say style because Brentford, I think, is a little bit more on the front foot. They're a little bit more attacking, but they believe in what they do. If you had to pick maybe one thing that Brentford's going to struggle with once they get maybe to the 25 game mark is that depth in squad. Maybe they don't have yeah. the, the depth that, that, you know, maybe a Chelsea or a Manchester City have. Um, but, no, they look for real, and they, the, I, I have no doubt that they'll stay up. They'll probably have a, a mid-table finish, but who knows? Could they push for a European spot? Um, the, the one thing I did want to mention, Scott, in terms of Watford, um, I was listening to a, a, a segment about a, about a week and a half ago, give or take, and they said that that club is a merry-go-round of managers, and I think that that is a perfect <laughs> summary of that. <laughs> and, you know, the, the reason that, uh, that unfortunately, the Watford manager, Cisco uh, Munoz, had to, well, not had to, he was sacked, was because they said that th- the results weren't what they wanted. And I'm sitting there thinking, you got to be kidding me. Because if that's the logic, then that means Southampton's manager should be sacked, Burnley's manager should be sacked, Newcastle's yeah. manager should be sacked, which he's probably going to get sacked anyway, Steve Bruce, and Norwich's manager should be sacked. So it just blows my mind. And Watford, I don't know. I, I, they brought in Claudio Ranieri now, but it just it does my head in that managers in the game today do not get time, Scott. It's really frustrating. Yeah, it's win now or you're sacked, as they say over in Europe. And uh, just one other thought, Daniel. This is kind of off script, but my wife and I over the weekend started watching Ted Lasso. Uh, have you watched that? And what are your thoughts? It's it's humor. It's it's comedy. It's funny. I, I I like it. I do. I haven't I haven't gone into great depth with it, but uh, I know other people who really really like it and get a good laugh out of it. It's it's uh, I don't know. It's entertainment, right? So I I could see why people really enjoy it. Yeah, I like it as well. She really likes it. Certainly funny. I guess I'm hoping for more realistic uh, soccer stuff, which I don't think we're going to get in this show. But mm. I was just curious on your thought being uh, one of two soccer guys that I know in the area that might appreciate that. Daniel, let's move on to La Liga. Action resumes this weekend. Three sit atop the table with Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Real Sociedad. They all have 17 points. Sevilla and Osasuna uh, in the mix there with 14. Uh, and again, no Barcelona at top of the table. Mm. Uh, certainly, uh, that's a club that's having all sorts of problems. But, uh, you know, kind of the usual cast of characters is there sitting at the top with Real Madrid and Atletico. Absolutely, yeah. And I think uh, a club like Real Sociedad, maybe they could they can make a, a proper push this year, maybe not just for Europa League, but maybe for the, the Spanish title. But, yeah. Usual cast of characters with Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona. Again, they're, you know, at the bottom of the mountain, really looking up. And uh, that's got to be some mountain to climb, I must say, even though that they're only seven to eight games in in La Liga. Seven matches played in the Bundesliga, Daniel, and maybe a little more crowded at the top than I might have thought at the beginning of the year. Uh, Bayern Munich, uh, top of the table, along with Bayer Leverkusen with 16 points, followed by Borussia Dortmund and Freiburg with 15 
you know, Bayern Munich's not running away with it. I believe they lost a match in league, and so maybe the Bundesliga going to be a little more competitive, at least than I thought. Yeah, and to my, you know, my memory, anyways, I think Bayern's loss was their most recent match, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, but one one thing that I will say about uh, the Bundesliga this year, and I just did some I did some research on this about a week week and a half ago, is the amount of goals that are being scored in the Bundesliga. It's going to shatter records this season, like by sure quite is. some margin, um, in terms of like the the trajectories and like they're on pace to do it because they're only seven games in. So um, it's goals galore in the Bundesliga, but I do eventually believe at some point Bayern is eventually going to pull away with it. Um, you know, they're 5-1-1, one, one, I'm pretty sure. And Leverkusen, uh, they're the same, same exact record, actually. But I do believe that Bayern will pull away with it uh, in the not-so-distant future. In Syria, in Italy, Napoli, top of the table with a perfect 7-0 and record and at 19 points, AC Milan. Second with 19, Inter third with 17, and Roma fourth with 15. Juventus starting to move up the table. I think they're in mid-range. I'm sure they'll probably be up there. But uh, Napoli right now, class of Serie A, Daniel. Yeah, actually, I think that they're playing some brilliant stuff. They haven't drawn. They haven't dropped a game. They're seven zero and zero. They're fantastic. Uh, actually, a buddy of mine today, he sent me a clip. He's like, look at this set piece, and I watched it on my lunch and. Uh, like you could tell the type of work that these guys are putting in at the training ground is, is something different that they've been exposed to in, in previous seasons. Um, but yeah, City is shaping up to be pretty good. The, the top of the table and the top four uh, look to be very strong. I want to get your thoughts on something, Scott, in terms of Juventus. Obviously, with Allegri coming back in, um, do you think that Juventus might just put their sole focus into the Champions League and then just say, OK, we'll just kind of scrape? In, into maybe a top four, top five spot, but we're going to put all our focus in the Champions League. Do you think that that could be a possibility? I think it could be a very realistic possibility, and we see that with you know different clubs and their position in the table. They get off to a bad start. You know, are you going to put your best foot forward on a Sunday when you're at Torino, or are you going to put your best foot forward when you're playing Chelsea in the Champions League? I think that's a very realistic possibility. And certainly, uh, maybe it's early to think that's a possibility, but I think it's realistic right now. A lot of times later in the season, usually maybe mid-group stage in the Champions League, these teams uh, you know, get their focus. And it's hard. You cannot put your best team for a competition if you're in three or four because you also have the league cups the fa cups mm-hmm. and, and the the cups of the world so i i think there there's a lot of uh, validity to that statement and certainly uh juventus is in a good position they're in a good group uh albeit they're with chelsea but you only need to be top two to advance so i would say there's a lot to that one as uh and i would agree i think that's very yeah. realistic because my whole thing is if let's say for example things went south in the Champions League, I think that they would just switch their focus and splash a whole bunch of money in January and then try and get right. for City. Uh. But my thing is, if if they're doing well in the Champions League and they're kind of hanging around a Europa League spot or just outside of Europa League spot in City, uh, I think that they'll just say, well, we'll mix up the lineup, you know, on our weekend matches domestically, and we're going to pour absolutely everything into the Champions League and maybe come January just sign one or two players and try and make a serious push in the Champions League. But I agree with you, Scott. I really do see it the same way. Finally, Daniel, in France, PSG, they're looking to run away with League One, and right now they're not running away with it, but they're in good position. Uh, first place, 24 points, followed by Lens with 18, and Nice and Angers with 16. 
really of all the domestic leagues, I think this one is almost a foregone conclusion. Uh, you know, PSG has enough talent to not have to focus on domestic or international, or I should say, uh, European competition. They they can you know put a pretty good squad wherever they go. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Again, we talked earlier about depth and squad. PSG is one of those teams that do have proper depth and squad. They could splash money all over the place to buy who they want. They showed that this offseason, this summer transfer window. And yeah, like you said, they're not running away with Liga yet, but uh, in time they will do. They are going to drop a couple of games here and there, Scott. That's just the reality of it. I think when you have something easy in any sport, and I know this having played all my life, sometimes you kind of fall into little slumps where you do get a little lazy and you kind of drop a game where you shouldn't here and there. But uh, I think that they will just absolutely walk Liga, and, and again, they'll probably produce something pretty good in the Champions League. Scott Nason and Daniel Scarpino with you for this edition of the Game Sports Show. We're talking soccer, and Daniel will end on local soccer. Uh, just one note here from this side of the pond. The Sioux High Blue Devil boys soccer team played their home finale yesterday at the E.J. Van Sitters Field, a very successful 6-4 to four win over Sheboygan. A uh, pretty good squad for the Blue Devils this year, certainly a team and a program that is on the rise. Head coach Al MacArthur's done a great job with that team and having a uh, invitational at home, uh, having you know a lot more teams playing a tougher schedule. The Blue Devils will be in action this weekend at the UP Championships in Marquette. We'll let you know how those matches went on Monday's edition of the game on ESPN 1400. And Daniel. Uh, Certainly uh, your seasons are underway over at Algoma University with soccer. Give our listeners an update on how things have gone and what's coming up. Yeah, so just to touch on uh, uh, Sioux College first, they just finished their season this past weekend. Uh, Neither team qualified for a playoff spot, but still in that infancy stage, Scott for Sioux College, as is Algoma, of growing the program. So well done to them for for fielding uh, some proper teams this season and and maybe not getting the results they wanted, but putting out – Again, a good account of themselves. Um, and I just, just before I get to Algoma as well, Scott, I was doing, um, a coaching session last night with some youth players. And, uh, one of them said, because they're in grade 11 now, they said, did you know, Daniel, that, uh, we haven't had any high school soccer the past two years? I go, yeah. And then the player said, well, that means that uh, this is going to be my first season. And I'm in grade 11. I thought to myself, man, wow. how, how hard that must have, must be. Really, if you're a high school student, you missed out on two soccer seasons, especially if you're a proper player, if you play at club level or you train year-round. So it's going to be so great that high school sports are in, uh, that are going to be back in full swing this year, which they are, have already started, but soccer is going to be back too, which I think is brilliant. Uh, for Algoma University, we're halfway through the season, Scott. We are hosting, and some big news here, fans are allowed back into stadiums now. So starting this weekend here in, uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, we're hosting the Ryerson Rams. Uh, and that those games are going to kick off 12 o'clock on Saturday for the women, 2.30 for the men. And then on Sunday, exact same time, 12 o'clock for the uh, women and 2.30 for the men. Fans are allowed in the stadium, and that is taking place at Superior Heights Turf. So halfway through the season, not all hope is gone. We've you know put in some decent performances, but still gunning for a playoff spot, and hopefully we can make a push in this uh, second half of the season, Scott. 
That's going to do it for this edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. Daniel, appreciate you taking time out to talk about the beautiful game. We'll do this again probably either at the very end of October or early November, maybe just before the Champions League matches heat up. Certainly always something to talk about in the world of soccer and appreciating you taking time out to talk about the beautiful game. Thanks for joining us, and we'll definitely talk to you here in a few weeks, sir. Uh, nothing better than talking a beautiful game with you, Scott, and I'm looking forward to our next meetup, and uh, thanks to all who listened. It's, it's always a joy to talk about the beautiful game. Yes, it is, and certainly our listeners uh, appear to enjoy the soccer shows. They're as much downloaded as our ESPN <laughs> shows and some of the other ones there on the game entertainment and media platform. That's going to do it for this edition, and we will talk to you here in a couple weeks for our next edition of the Game Sports Show Soccer Edition. Have a great night. All righty. Very good, sir. Nicely done. I will post that in the morning because my wife has the laptop and she's working late. So I'll get that up tomorrow. Oh, fair morning. Enough. I'll, I'll text you when, when I get that out. So uh, take care, man. and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Take good care. Always a, a fun time doing this with you, Scott. Love it. Good show. Thanks, Daniel. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. All right. See ya.